Dakota Hudson back to missing bats? And wait a minute, I think that's Drew Rahm's music. All coming up on B-Shape Daily. What's going on, everybody, and welcome in to this edition of B-Shape Daily. Brennan Schaefer, your host, here with you in the evening hours of Sunday, August 20th, 2023. As the Cardinals were able to avoid the sweep against the Mets on Sunday, that's the good news. The bad news, well, the 2023 season's still going, and it's hot as hell in St. Louis. There's plenty of downsides to what's going on right now, but hey, let's talk about some positives. We can find a few from the Cardinals outing on Sunday. No podcasts from Saturday night into Sunday morning, you may have noticed, because I frankly didn't have it in me to talk about the Cardinals. What was it, 11-2 to loss on Saturday night at Bush Stadium? It was an ugly series for the most part against the Mets, but Sunday's game did offer a couple of bright spots. We saw Mason Wynn get uh, his first multi-hit game in the major leagues and get a good legit hit in there as well. A couple of infield hits, a couple of, you know, I'm not saying they weren't hits, but you could tell Mason Wynn with the line drive hit that he had later on in Sunday's game, the reaction to that one was like, all right, now I really got one. So Mason Wynn settling in for the Cardinals is a bright spot. Paul Goldschmidt kind of rounding back into form offensively in the game Sunday seems to be a bright spot. A couple of hits and a big home run into Big Mackland that took the Cardinals 2-1 deficit, made it a 3-2 lead, and the Cardinals piled on from there, looking pretty strong in this game. Richie Palacios had a home run robbery to back up Dakota Hudson. But we want to talk about Dakota Hudson a little bit more because for as much as we don't necessarily expect, I think, Dakota to be factoring in all too much to the Cardinals 2024 plans. Like when John Moselec says, hey, we're going to get three starters in the offseason. You can do that math and say, okay, three plus Michaelis plus Matts is five. Does that mean a guy like Dakota Hudson, if he's around next year, is kind of on the outside looking in again, along with Zach Thompson, Matthew Libertor fighting for the, to be the depth, I guess, of the Cardinals rotation? Yeah, that's probably a pretty fair way to describe it. But there is always that element of what these guys do down the stretch of 2023 can certainly place them into position to challenge for next season and for what those roles are going to look like. So we'll talk about another Dakota Hudson start today that, frankly, looked pretty good. And when I have consistently discussed the idea of, okay, what does Dakota Hudson have to do to get on anybody's radar? Because you look at his numbers this year, obviously spent a lot of time at Memphis, didn't have great numbers there, felt with a little bit of injury at times in 2023, but since joining the Cardinals almost by default because they didn't have a lot of depth in the minors to to choose from, Hudson comes in and he's got a 5-0 record now with a 3.95 ERA. It sounds a lot like what we've seen from Dakota Hudson, I don't know, throughout most of his major league career. Like if you just look at the numbers, ERA, for example, 3.64 coming into today for his career in over 400 innings pitched. And today goes five and a third, gives up two runs. But what I've consistently talked about with Hudson as to how he can get on the radar is can he miss more bats? Can he can he get that swing and miss aspect of his game going in a way that we really haven't seen throughout the course of his career? Because in those 432 career innings entering Sunday's game, just 302 strikeouts. So a strikeout rate for his career of 6.3 Ks per nine and a walk rate of 4.1 walks per nine. That combination is not one that I feel like the Cardinals are going to 
seek out when it comes to prioritizing for next year's team. So Dakota Hudson can have whatever kind of ERA he wants. He can go out there and throw five or six innings of one-run baseball every start for the rest of the season. And I honestly don't know how much that's going to do in the minds of the organization to say, hey, we need to prioritize this guy for a spot next year. It sounds kind of crazy because a lot of Cardinals fans, I think if you just looked at the numbers and the productivity, you'd say, look, I would take five or six innings of one run, maybe two run, three run, even baseball from, if I'm talking about a number five starter, that'll get the job done. So why would the Cardinals be so, well, I think they'd be hesitant to believe in that from Hudson because if you look at the trend of his career, those early years, 2018, he came up as a reliever, had an ERA below three, and then earned the rotation spot coming into 2019. Had a 3.35 ERA. That was really his breakout season, bursting onto the scene, but led the league with 86 walks as well. And then 2020 is when he got injured, had good numbers before having the Tommy John surgery late in that season, and then returned for the bitter end of 2021. Just pitched a couple of times, but looked pretty good. 2.8 ERA or 2.08 ERA, rather. But then 2022, you had the full season and the 4.45 ERA. It was like for the first time, his ERA and the rest of his numbers caught up to what the peripherals always kind of told you would happen with, if you looked at his FIP, his fielding independent pitching, for years and years, it was always that he was outperforming his FIP. So 2022 was finally when that all leveled out and everybody said, oh, all right, he's more of a number five starter if that's what you get from him. But it's like the number five starter on a team that's not necessarily aspiring to a World Series. Like Dakota Hudson, the way he pitched last year, you could look at it and say, he's got a role in Major League Baseball. He's got a role in a starting rotation in Major League Baseball. Probably shouldn't be for the Cardinals, though, if this team can find those little advantages, those little gains that they can make in improving the roster. That was an easy spot to look at and say, man, if you could just get somebody that could miss some bats in that rotation spot, there's a lot higher of a ceiling than what Dakota Hudson might offer. And that's honestly how the Cardinals played this out in 2023. Granted, their rotation didn't really pan out, but Dakota Hudson was kind of left to rot in Memphis for most of this year, and his numbers in Memphis weren't very good. I think there's a lot of reasons behind that. Something that you're kind of noticing with what Cardinal guys who have spent time in Memphis and then have come back up to the big leagues this year have said is like the strike zones are vastly different. When you consider the uh, the automatic balls and strikes that are being implemented at the AAA level this year. A lot of guys talk about how the strike zone is much less tall, I guess, is maybe probably not the most sophisticated way to put it. But the top of the zone just really doesn't exist in Memphis. You'll hear Dakota Hudson a little bit. We've got some audio from this afternoon in the Cardinals clubhouse. A little bit of the back and forth between Dakota Hudson and the various reporters uh, in front of his locker before the Cardinals made their way out to Pittsburgh for the three-game set that will start there on Monday night. But that's one of the things that Dakota Hudson kind of talked about and was asked about is the differences. So when you look at the walk rate, that's always been something that's been a concern for him. Walked a bunch of guys in Memphis, but so too this year did like Zach Thompson, guys like Jake Woodford. It's been two different worlds, and so you see some of those pitchers come back to St. Louis, and Thompson's another good example of this. They're finding success. Maybe that strike zone thing is something that we kind of are aware it's going on, but don't maybe realize the the complete intricacies of, of what's different with that. So that's kind of interesting as well. But the entire backdrop of this for Dakota Hudson 
as we've been alluding to, is miss more bats, get more strikeouts, and you can potentially, I think, get back onto the radar in a more significant way. Like, when asked about his performance, Ali Marmol had really good things to say about Dakota Hudson today, and I think that's more than fair because when you look back at his recent appearances, he's been very solid since rejoining the Cardinals' rotation. Let's take a look at just his numbers throughout August so far. Seven innings, three runs, five innings, three runs, six and two-thirds innings, two runs, five and a third today, two runs. So that's those are four starts. By the way, the Cardinals won each of those games, started by Dakota Hudson over the last four. But those are four starts that will keep a team in a game almost regardless of whether you ultimately win, win the game or lose the game. Dakota's still kind of working around a few different things here as you look over those four starts. Walk totals, 3-1-1, one, one, and today he had two which is not appalling, feels certainly better in terms of his walk rate compared to what it had been. That's still, I don't know exactly what that would be on a per nine basis. I wonder if baseball reference will give me that. I don't think they will. But it's like, okay, you're you're giving up a couple of walks here and there, but no games where it's just like getting completely out of control. The one game where he walked three guys, he threw seven innings, so was on the mound for longer. You can, can live with that. It's still kind of teetering toward that four walks per nine. Average, but you know, I think it's I think it's one of those deals where Dakota Hudson is inclined to be able to get away with some of that over the course of his career. He's done it because of the way he pitches and implements the sinker and can use his defense to his advantage. But I think if you don't have the ability to miss bats and you're only relying upon your defense, it's not a recipe that the Cardinals can expect to be successful moving forward. Right? If if that's what they're going to prioritize for next year and Dakota Hudson doesn't show any meaningful changes in his ability to strike out closer to a guy per inning instead of 6.3 per nine like he's been for his career, then the Cardinals, I, I just don't think they're going to be able to prioritize Hudson's spot on the team. Whether that means even giving him a shot to be the sixth starter, which at this point in his career seems like, I said, he should be in the major leagues for somebody. But does that mean they... They trade him somewhere where he can be in a rotation if the Cardinals don't project him as that. Maybe he builds up his value, demonstrating like, hey, I can be consistent over the final portion of the season. Maybe that helps, and and it just works out for everybody that the Cardinals can get perhaps a younger piece for him and can send him somewhere where he can start. I don't know if that's the logical conclusion to this, but I think it all boils down to if there's going to be a Dakota Hudson on the 2024 Cardinals, And that's going to be something that everybody feels good about. I think he's got to continue to show strides in terms of missing bats. So where has he been with that over these four starts? Well, the first one in this stretch, seven strikeouts against the Twins looked pretty good that day. The prior two before today, though, two strikeouts and three strikeouts. In each of the four games, he's allowed at least one home run. And against the Rays back on the 9th of August, he allowed two home runs in that game. So he's definitely playing with fire. It's only been by the virtue of some occasional double plays, some good fortune that the home runs are happening to come when it's not all too damaging against Dakota Hudson. Like he's been able to mitigate some of the damage. I don't know if you consider it smoke and mirrors. I would say through a couple of those outings when you're looking at totals like three strikeouts and two strikeouts, seven hits allowed, and you only end up allowing three runs, two runs in those kinds of outings, It's you're probably fortunate to have been able to grind for as long as he did. But today was another example where Dakota Hudson did have the strikeout stuff working. He struck out seven on Sunday against the Mets, pitching into the sixth, his last 
uh, batter that he faced was a strikeout. Five and a third innings, two runs, five hits, two walks, so seven base runners, which is a little more than you'd like to see over five and a third. Gave up one home run, but seven strikeouts. And the home run, by the way, was Pete Alonzo, who visited Big Mac land on the same day that he actually met Big Mac because Mark McGuire there at the ballpark, along with a bunch of the other Cardinal Hall of Famers, Cardinal Hall of Fame induction weekend, Jose Oquendo, Max Lanier inducted into the Cardinals Hall of Fame, Hal Lanier, the son of Max Lanier, who was a uh, pitcher in the 40s for the Cardinals, inducted, and his son was there to uh, accept that honor on his his father's behalf, which John Denton of MLB.com was telling me, I guess he had talked to, to Hal Lanier, Max's son, and basically the deal was that Max Lanier, who you can go look up his numbers, had great numbers for the Cardinals back in, I believe it was like the World War II era, grew up as a, a right-handed individual but then had a couple of injuries or broke his arm a couple of times, something to that effect, and basically taught himself just how to be left-handed. And it went so well. Like, he was a right-handed batter. I'm looking up his baseball reference page now. It went so well that as a, a left-handed pitcher, he had a long, prosperous career with the Cardinals. 12 of his uh, 14 years in the big leagues with the Cardinals, 2.84 career ERA with St. Louis over 12 years from 1938 to 1951. So... Kind of interesting there, Max Lanier. And Jose Okendo, of course, was uh, very humble. We got a chance to talk with him yesterday before the uh, the event of this morning, the, the speeches and the, the official induction. And when you compare him and say, oh, you know, how does it feel to be, you know, in the same class of Cardinal Lifer, you know, these great coaches the organization has had, like George Kissel and Red Shandeast, and he very quick to kind of push back on that and say, oh, you know, those guys are the goats. I'm, you know, I'm just... I'm just I just do what I do and try to do what I can to extend their legacy. But I, I think Jose Okendo, even if he doesn't like to think of it in those terms, he is the modern day extension of what those guys, those cardinal legends brought to the organization. And he you know, he learned under them and, and has turned himself into an invaluable piece of the Cardinals organization. And just real quick on Okendo before we get back into kind of dissecting the Dakota Hudson stuff. And we still will hear, by the way, from Dakota Hudson some audio from in the clubhouse after Sunday's game. Want to remind you guys too, real quick, subscribe to this channel. If you like Cardinals content, we're bringing it to you, even though it's a little bit of a bummer season for the Cardinals. We know it's going to heat up. We know it's going to heat up after the season concludes. And then we get into the off season and what are the Cardinals going to do? But there are a lot of things that we're going to learn about this team over the final five or six weeks that still remain that uh, I feel like you're going to want to be in here and you want to be informed for what's going on moving into the winter and speculate about different things. So, Hit that subscribe button. If you like Cardinals content, if you appreciate this on your daily basis, add it into your daily routine. Be Shafe Daily. I'm Brendan Schaefer, writer for KMOV in St. Louis, covering the Cardinals. Doing this daily podcast here on YouTube, as well as Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can search for Be Shafe Daily anywhere you find your podcast. Rate and review, five stars, the whole bit. But give a like to this video and let me know in the comments. Thoughts on anything going on with the Cardinals right now? Jose Okendo, but Dakota Hudson as well as it pertains to uh, that Cardinals rotation that's going to have to, something's going to have to give for next year. Some changes are going to need to be made. Can Dakota Hudson find himself in that mix with the way that he's pitching right now for St. Louis? But as I was getting sidetracked on the the other uh, stuff, teasing before I could finish up this thought on Okendo, yesterday, I think it was Derek Gould that asked him, you know, how much longer do you think you're going to keep doing this, Jose? And he said, well, you know, instructional league and everything that I am kind of working with is down in Florida. I live in Florida. So I'll be here as long as they'll have me. And I don't think the Cardinals are ever going to not be looking to have Jose Okendo if he wants to be part of the organization. He's going to be 
he's going to be there. I think Jeff Jones asked Ollie Marmel today, you know, you, you can't ever envision a scenario where the Cardinals would not want to have Jose Okendo around. And you should have seen Marmel's face. It was like, no, this he's he's got a he's got a role for as long as he wants one. And uh just really cool to see the imprint that he's able to have on guys like like Mason Wynn. Cardinals draft him in twenty twenty. Jose Okendo has had his fingerprints on Mason Wynn from the moment the Cardinals drafted him to now what you see him coming up to the big leagues and and having an opportunity to turn into a mainstay for the Cardinals. And I asked Jose Okendo yesterday, like, what's it like to get to see those guys from the beginning and kind of the the putty that is in your hands to then mold them into the players that eventually reach the big leagues and, and go on to do great things. And, and I mentioned Mason Wynn in that context. Like, you know, Mason just getting here yesterday. How do you feel about that? He said, well, I want all these other guys to get there too. Like, he was kind of stumping for uh, the, the Memphis Mafia, if you will, the different guys that he's been able to to have under his tutelage throughout the years. He says, I want all those guys to get to, to get to the big league level. And, and it's kind of like he's the shepherd because he even said, you know, whether it's here or whether they end up getting traded, I think it's just like he invests in these young players for the opportunities that he can see before them. And then it's, I think it's really meaningful to Jose Okendo when he sees that process through. And it's not just the star guys like Walker and Wynn that when they get there, it's like, oh, that's really satisfying. I think he also just feels the same level of satisfaction for for all the other players that that he's worked with over the years to to just turn into big league caliber players. So that's a really important aspect and probably often underrated aspect because, yeah, we knew how important Jose Okendo was when he was on the big league coaching staff with Tony La Russa all those years, Tony at the ballpark today as well, third base coach and all that good stuff for some of those, those wonderful teams. Okendo said, my best memories are, you know, anytime we were World Series, you know, 87 as a player, and then 2006, 2011, you know, those were those were the best memories for him. Having an opportunity to, to win a championship was was what it's all about. But we knew kind of the impact he could have, but we not to say that it's underrated or we forget about Jose Okendo and what he's still doing to this day, but he's, he's having an impact on all of those young players and gets them when they're kind of fresh and green and, and turns them into professionals and has a really big hand in, in doing all that. So cool to see Jose Okendo honored for that and for all the contributions that he's had to the Cardinals, not only as a player, but of course as a, a really, really good coach, great coach that has been involved in the organization for a number of years now. So I want to make sure we talked a little bit about Jose Okendo before we got through the rest of this podcast. But back in on Dakota Hudson, the key for him is strikeouts. And not, I mean, not just strikeouts, but swing and miss. Can you miss bats? Or are you always having to rely on contact? Because Dakota will say, you know, there are times where I, I want to be pitching to contact and try to get through an inning quickly, be efficient. If I can induce weak contact, that is part of my game. But if I get into certain situations and certain counts where I think going for the strikeout is going to be what I what I can do, then he's going to go for that. And today he found some success in doing that with seven strikeouts. Everybody's circling the slider for Dakota Hudson as the key to all of it. I asked Ollie, is this, is it, you know, he had raved about the slider and said it looked really good today. And then I kind of followed that up by asking Cardinals manager, is the slider the key that unlocks it all when it comes to his ability to miss bats? And Ollie said, yeah. And he also mentioned that the idea of getting ahead in counts can be something that allows that to play even more effectively. But if he has the slider, then it's a completely different story for Dakota Hudson. And I've noticed a couple of times this year where that's been the case. Like the slider looked really, really sharp in the game against Minnesota where he struck out seven the previous time. 
back on August 2nd. But consistency has been kind of a theme that we've heard from Ali Marmel when talking about the pitchers. And really, I think the guys that are in this bucket is Dakota Hudson, Zach Thompson, Matthew Lipitor are the three guys that are like, okay, they're in the rotation now, but we could do this math. If you say we need three pitchers for next year, all three of those guys are essentially wiped from the their their current roles. And then Michaelis is, of course, in the rotation now. Wainwright's going to be gone in uh, into retirement, but Steven Matz is on the IL right now, is going to be baked in as a part of what they're looking to do next year. And so he'll have a rotation spot pending, you know, I, I think the injury that he's dealing with is not hopefully something that's going to impact him into next year. And so if you're one of these young guys, like, and I say young, Dakota Hudson's what, is he 28 years old now. He's basically my age, turns 29 in the middle of September. So if you're Hudson, Libertor, or Zach Thompson, you're looking at it like, all right, this is an opportunity. I can hear the news. I can hear what our president of the baseball operations says. You know, they're looking to replace exactly what I'm doing by spending big on pitching in the offseason or making a trade for somebody. Moselec has said we're going to get three guys. So those are the three that are really kind of fighting for their lives on this team, which doesn't mean that they're fighting for their lives, lives in the big leagues. Like, they're all at different stages of their careers. Dakota Hudson has been around a little while longer. I could see him being a guy that, whether he gets traded or whatever, could certainly be in a rotation somewhere else. But you want the opportunity where you are, and you don't want to have to leave all that up to, to chance or to a trade going your direction or anything that's just beyond your control. So Dakota Hudson wants to pitch and earn a spot. Zach Thompson, kind of on the younger side to where he hasn't had a long leash in terms of opportunity in a rotation. He's just still getting built up. All he said, maybe 95 pitches or so for him in his upcoming start. But then Matthew Libertor is the, you know, the former top prospect that everybody's wanting to see that consistent leap from. They want to see him do what he did against Tampa Bay the other day, but do it regularly, not kind of have the 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 sl- the backslide that we've seen in, in outings from Matthew Libertor kind of throughout this season and really throughout the couple of years that he's been getting those cups of coffee at the big league level. By the way, quick injury update. Matthew Libertor evidently tweaked his back. Uh, I think the phrasing that was used is that it tightened up on him. And that was as a result of lifting weights, which I guess presumably came the day after his most recent start. So the plan for the Cardinals, it's not anything severe, it doesn't sound like, because they're just pushing him back two days. And this was probably the news update I could have brought up from the top, but a little scatterbrained today. DrewRom.com is pitching on Monday in Pittsburgh. He'll make the start for the Cardinals. So that's our little news update that I'll make sure to put in the uh, description to this video so people know we do talk about it here. Drew Rahm has 18 strikeouts in 11 innings for the Memphis Redbirds in the two starts that he's made since the Cardinals acquired him in that deal that sent Jack Flaherty to the Orioles. It's back to that buzzword of swing and miss. Drew Rahm has it. He's also had walk issues in his time in the minor leagues. He had like a 5-3-4 ERA in AAA Norfolk for the Oriole organization this year. I believe he had walked a guy every other inning. He had like four and a half to five walks per nine, something in that neighborhood uh, in AAA before the, the Cardinals got him. But he also struck out more than a guy per inning, pushing 10 Ks per nine, I think, in his uh, AAA numbers from the Baltimore org this year. He comes over to the Cardinals, keeps the strikeouts rolling. 18 and 11 innings is definitely of the, the ilk that the Cardinals were looking for. When you talk about getting swing and miss, 
I think he has four walks in 11 innings. But it's very interesting, and I'm going to play this audio here real quick from Dakota Hudson. But when you're listening to this, we'll, we'll talk a little more about Drew Rahm and what to expect for him. But I think you could also say, hey, if this guy's been having issues with walks in AAA, maybe there's an aspect of get him to the big leagues. The strike zone is a little more forgiving at the top of the zone for guys that want to work that, which I know in watching some of what Drew Rahm was able to do to AAA lineups in his last couple of starts, he doesn't throw super hard, lower 90s, but he's he's working that fastball to the top and, and maybe even above the strike zone, which is an aspect that can be maybe a lot, I'm not going to say easier at the big league level, because hitters are going to be able to turn that around and, and probably find ways to get it out of the ballpark if you miss your location. But the the automatic strike zone in the minors is is not as lengthy to where a pitch that's at the top of the zone in the big leagues is being called a ball above the, tri- the strike zone in, in AAA. So maybe that's something interesting to keep in mind with your run that, all right, the Cardinals, they wanted swing and miss, and they knew they might have to sacrifice a little bit for some unrefined products. And Drew, Drew Rahm may be unrefined because he was just walking so many guys and didn't have great AAA numbers. But you could see a world in which a guy takes a leap and actually is able to to gain some comfort from what umpires at the big league level are going to call versus what the, the automatic robot system is inclined to do or forced to do at the, the minor league level. It's something that a lot of the Cardinals, I think, this year that we've seen kind of bounce back and forth have, uh, for better or worse, had to familiarize themselves with those differences. But kind of interesting. So Drew Rahm's going to make that start on Monday. As I mentioned for Libertor, short term is the way the Cardinals look at it because he will start Wednesday. I believe it's like an 11.30 a.m. game on Wednesday for the Cardinals, and that will be Libertor's game. So it's not like an IL stint. It's not anything that's going to push him back too long, but they wanted to have him no throw for a couple of days. I think Monday he'll throw the bullpen session is kind of what Libby thought would happen. And then that'll give him a couple of days before Wednesday, the early afternoon start in Pittsburgh. But that's a deal with DrewRom.com. We've had a lot of fun talking about him on the podcast already and looks good. So the Cardinals are excited to get a look at him. They kind of have to by necessity, need a little bit of a spot starter. He's already on the 40-man roster. He was scheduled to pitch Sunday. They could bump him back by a day and have him ready to go. And he was in the Cardinals clubhouse this afternoon after the game. So he travels with the team to Pittsburgh and uh, will get the ball as the Cardinals take on the Pirates in the battle to stay out of last place in the NL Central. Or maybe you'd rather be in last because better chance at a higher draft pick. Who knows? Let me know in the comments section on YouTube what you Cardinals fans think of that. But let's hear from Dakota Hudson because I've teased it long enough. And he's got a couple of minutes of thoughts here back and forth with different reporters as Dakota Hudson had a really nice start today. What's led to it? What's been some of the challenges that he's faced as he tries to get back? Remember, Dakota Hudson did have the Tommy John surgery, and then he's dealt with some other various injuries. You'll hear him a little bit if you listen closely. Talk about some some neck discomfort that he's had and has had to sort of change his mechanics to get around some of that so that it's not impacted every time he pitches. Some interesting thoughts from Dakota Hudson. Let's take a listen here and then reflect on it as we continue along here on B-Shape Daily. How would you describe the evolution of your slider in the second half, especially how you've been able to use it more for swing and miss than we've seen over the last year or so? Uh, yeah, I think it's just it's more about location, I guess, and not so much about being nasty. So I guess it's more of a mentality as, of get it in the right place and hopefully the right things are happening with it. But um, it's been it's just all been about location, I think. 
But are you are you more cognizant I'm looking for outs. Uh, however, I can get them, and if the situation kind of kind of calls for a strikeout, well, then that's if and I'm in a situation to get one, then uh, I may go for one. But I'm still looking to get outs as quick as possible and get as deep in the game as possible. I guess with that slider question, though, do you feel more equipped to get some swings and misses when you need them? Yeah, uh, I think it's I think it's just that slider feels if out of my hand. It feels like uh, the one I was throwing in nineteen a little bit more so, and I think it's it's in the right spot, just a little bit more power to to kind of go with it. But uh, it's been a tough road to kind of get mechanically right. I think, and now I'm, I feel like I'm right there, just sitting in what I'm doing and trying to do it at the best. At the best possible way I can. So the mechanical part, is that ever since the surgery, just to, like, just to feel like yourself again, basically? Is that a fair um, Well, I had, the sur I had surgery, and I felt like I was like getting in a good place last year, and I had some neck issues that kind of lingered, and so I had to make some mechanical adjustments in order just to get out there. So I think I'm just getting back to being strong and being healthy and uh, being able to repeat. Repeat good pitches. Is that the same sort of neck stuff you were doing earlier this year, or that start last year? Yeah, yeah, it's the same stuff. Same stuff. I did some rehab in the off season and kind of strengthened areas around it, but it flared back up and then made some more mechanical changes to where it wasn't just consistently banging on there. So, so it's just in like the I guess second half of this year that you really starting to get back to before that. Well, there's, yeah, I think, I, I mean, I think so as far as the execution of everything. But I think it's kind of if you watch my game my stuff starting to you know come more over the plate and it's and my misses aren't as big and I'm starting to kind of hone it in so I just feel more comfortable with where I'm at. How much does getting ahead and getting into good counts allow you to be more effective and use the slider the way you want to be able to get to and use it? Yeah I think it, it does a lot you know especially as far as like advantages from me to hitters. Um, I think it's just also that stubborn uh, I see I see great pitchers throwing everything in every count, but whenever you're ahead, they don't know what's coming. So I think it just kind of flips the advantage to my my favor. As much as your stuff plays at the bottom of the zone, do you have to access the top of it to get what you want out of that slider a little bit? Is that helping you sort of with the location stuff? I think I, I think you got to use the whole zone no matter what you're doing. Um, I, don't, I think if you're great in one area, that's that's good. But in order to uh, keep Big league hitters guessing you have to move the ball as much as possible. So is that is that maybe a little bit part of why it's been effective here, or maybe at Memphis you were looking for it a little bit here? You're able to get to the top, so you can use the bottom a little better. Is that a fair way to look at yeah. it? Yeah, considering the the top in Memphis is, is not middle middle. Exist, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So sure. it's definitely a, a definitely a different different game. So the Cardinals starter Dakota Hudson after Sunday's seven to three win for the Cardinals over the New York Mets to avoid that sweep. Sweeps are hard. Was starting to think that it might not be that hard to sweep the Cardinals in four games, but they came back and looked a lot better on Sunday. And Dakota Hudson was a big part of that. He has continued to look at worst serviceable and at best like a guy that you'd want to have out there on the mound every fifth day if you're a contending team. Right? Like, I don't think he's been out of this world at any point, but you could look at the, the stuff that's gone wrong. And like, okay, he's given up at least one home run in every outing. Is there a world in which Dakota Hudson could find a way to be sharp enough not to have that happen? I don't know. Maybe that's just going to be part of kind of what he what he is. You you figure you're going to get burned by a mistake every once in a while. But he does have the elements of his game that have allowed him to sort of evade the FIP and the expectations of what kind of pitcher he would be. He's done that his whole career. Last year was the one year where it, he, he didn't get away with it as much. But that's like the career low. And you hear some of the things that Hudson was talking about there with the neck and 
obviously recovering from the Tommy John or, or maybe not even recovering in 2022, but just having your first full season back from from that injury. What What's the impact of that? And are you seeing a different version of Hudson? He said, if you're watching my games, you're seeing I'm starting to hone in on some of these elements and produce more consistently. Cardinals should absolutely give him the runway the rest of the year. Not that there's really a choice with all the injuries that they've faced. And, uh, well, really not a ton of injuries, but the, the injuries that they faced and then the trading of Jordan Montgomery and Jack Flaherty to other teams has certainly contributed to the fact that, yeah, there are openings in the Cardinals rotation. But you're seeing a consistent version of Dakota Hudson. I think it is one that really does rely upon defense. But like I've said, maybe there's not a lot that Dakota Hudson could do to change the Cardinals' minds if the organization internally feels a certain way. But he's going out there and doing things that we haven't seen all that much from everybody in this rotation going all the way back to the beginning of April. Just go out every fifth day, five or six innings, keep it three runs or fewer. There's something to be said for that. I don't know how much that's going to change the hearts and minds within the organization about Hudson unless he finds a way to elevate the strikeout rate consistently to where they can look at that and say, okay, this is repeatable, this is sustainable, this is more consistent. Unless he does that, like I said, he can go out and have a two ERA the rest of the year, but if his if his K rate is five and his walk rate is four, I don't think that's going to do anything to establish himself for next year. But I also have long been a supporter of Dakota Hudson. It's been more difficult to kind of feel that way in recent times, especially, I mean, you go back to spring training, I could probably go back and listen to B-Shape Daily, and I probably wasn't all too forgiving because with what we were seeing from him, it just didn't look right. And we were hyper-focused on the, the pitch clock and how he would respond to that because he wasn't a guy that historically has has worked all too quickly, to put it mildly. And then you just get to spring training, and he just didn't look good, didn't look good on the backfields, didn't look good in the Grapefruit League games, maybe to an extent was just still dealing with some of those neck issues and different nagging injuries that were being discussed there. We just heard from Dakota Hudson right here on the show. That was from Sunday afternoon in the Cardinals clubhouse. Maybe we've been a little harsh on Dakota Hudson. I, The guy's got talent. Like, I mean, you don't go the way he's done through four or five years of a big league career and have a cumulative 360 ERA without having some semblance of knowing how to pitch and what you're doing out there. I think a lot of what underwhelms people about Dakota Hudson is just the notion that there is a very defined ceiling and it's not all that far from the ground. It's not that far from where his floor is, which his floor is, you know, to it's, it's the floor is not below the dirt. Like Dakota Hudson can be in a big league rotation. And even when it's not going well, may not look pretty to watch all the time because he's dealing with traffic and, and walking guys and trying to, to skirt danger. And it doesn't always work out. You sometimes get burned doing that. But there are Cardinals pitchers who have been in this rotation who give up five, six, seven runs a game. We have seen it all year long, and it's been really frustrating to watch, right? And that that doesn't even just limit it to the Adam Wainwright struggles. Like Stephen Matz had those games. Miles Michaelis has had those games. Even Jordan Montgomery and Jack Flaherty had some of those games. But what we're seeing from Hudson is at least like, all right, he's limiting damage. How much does that excite the Cardinals or even entice the Cardinals into thinking, hey, we need to really consider what this guy means for our long-term plans? Or is it he's kind of a guy you keep around, you break the glass in case of emergency? And that's why I talk about it's good that John Moselock says we're getting three starters because you add those three to Michaelis and Mats, and they, the three you get, by the way, Mats should be the floor. You should, you should get two that are better than Michaelis and one that's at least as good as Mats. And that's a five-man rotation that I think you can live with. 
how viable is that going to be and who are the what are the identities of the guys they're going to get? Yeah, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about that part for sure. But if you pull it off, I think you're in a good spot, a much better spot than you were when you came in this year, if it's possible to do, and it should be possible to do. They're saying they're going to do it. But when that happens, one of those five guys is getting hurt in spring training. It's just a reality of it. So that's the part where I say don't completely dismiss the notion of Dakota Hudson being valuable because I think you can look at a guy like Zach Thompson and say his upside, his ceiling, better, higher than what Dakota Hudson would bring. But we also haven't seen it consistently to know, is there a world in which his the bottom just drops out for Zach Thompson? We kind of know what it looks like for the bottom to drop out for Matthew Libertor. It's happened each of the last two seasons. He's shown flashes of what it can look like when it's really good, but the floor is low. I mean, he's had six ERA the last couple of years. Dakota Hudson's never had a six ERA, not in the big leagues. Six has been his ERA in the minors this year. But again, I think some varying circumstances of just, you, you're different in the minor leagues. Like Zach Thompson talked about, I'm really working through my process more than what's my ERA in AAA. There's a lot of different things that you're working on as a pitcher. Haven't talked specifically about all that with Dakota Hudson, but it is not that difficult to imagine that some of those things were going on. And we're talking about a guy whose floor at the big league level, like his worst season in five years in the majors, was 2022 when he had a 4.45 ERA. There are times this year where the Cardinals would have killed for a 4.45 ERA from a couple of their rotation spots that just weren't panning out. This year, Dakota's down to 3.98 for the season. All right, I'm sorry, 3.95. Correct myself there. 3.95 3.95 for Dakota Hudson this year on the ERA in St. Louis. Is it enough? Does it get you out of bed in the morning? I don't know, Cardinals fans. Let me know what you think about it in the comments section below here on YouTube. Make sure to hit subscribe on this video and hit like as well so that you never miss any of the content here on the Brendan Schaefer St. Louis Cardinals writer YouTube channel. Where is Dakota Hudson for you right now, Cardinals fans? It's something that we got to keep talking about as he continues to post like solid outings. Is it always sexy? Is it always exciting? Maybe not. But does it matter if he's getting outs, if he's getting you opportunities to win games? I know the pitcher win is no longer the end-all, be-all that we look at in Major League Baseball, but 5-0 and is 5-0. and So let me know what you think. What's your impression of what Dakota had to say after the game now that you've heard him earlier on in this episode? Give me that feedback for what you'd like to hear out of this YouTube channel, out of the podcast, Be Safe Daily as we go along. And what do you think the Cardinals are going to get from DrewRom.com on Monday in Pittsburgh? Let your thoughts be known below, and we will talk to you next time on Be Safe Daily. Peace.